Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We're kicking off a a short series for the Christmas season uh, that's called uh, Christmas Portraits. And a lot of you may have gone to do the whole Christmas portrait thing, you know, where you, you get everybody dressed up and you go and you try to get a snapshot of maybe not what your family looks like all day, every day, uh, but maybe kind of this best moment for family. And we try to do that. And when we look at the scriptures, a lot of times we can think of the Christmas story and we can have that idea, this overly canned view of of the Christmas story. And when we really read it and we look into it, it is a gritty, meaty story. So what I want to make sure is we don't just just uh, miss what God is really saying and doing here, that we don't get involved in all of the hubbub of Christmas and that we miss what God is really doing here because we sometimes it's, there's this pressure to try to fit it all in. I'd go to my grandmother's house growing up and and I love for her to tell stories. I, I tell stories a lot. Part of it is because I love to hear stories. And so we'd always tell her, hey, tell us this story. Tell us that. Tell us about Tom's Bull. Uh, you know, tell us about the wire pinchers. Tell us about this. Tell us about all of that. Well, one of my favorite stories for her to tell was my Uncle Danny and the Frogs. And I would ask her, I'd say, tell, tell us about the Uncle Danny and the Frogs. Well, they lived in Andrews, Texas. It's not an oasis or, you know, some place where there's a river and lots of, you know, aquatic life. Um, but it would rain, and somehow, it's still out growing up every once in a while, the rains come, and these little hopping, hopping frogs are just everywhere. You just see these little, these little frogs. I don't know where they come from. I don't know where they go when everything dries up. But then there's just these little frogs everywhere. Well, my uncle was a young kid. There's a bunch of these, had a rain, there's a bunch of these hopping frogs that were around, and he was going and collecting as many of these frogs as he possibly could, and he was gathering up all of these frogs, and of course, little boy, with, you know, he had frogs in his pockets, he had frogs everywhere he could put frogs, frogs in his hands, but where does he want his frogs? He wants them in the house with him, so he's trying to get in the house, and he's got the biggest frog that he had caught, a good little frog. And he had it in his hands, and he had all these other stuff. And, of course, they're wriggling and moving, and he's trying to open the door and trying to get inside the house. And he can't figure out how to do it. So he decides to get creative, and he has the one frog, and he just, boop, sticks it in his mouth, <laughs> opens the door, and comes in. Well, my grandmother's a little squeamish every time she'd tell the story, which is part of why I like to hear it, is it would creep her out a little bit. And, uh, but she'd talk about he'd come in, he came in, and that, those little legs were just kicking <laughs> out of his mouth as he had the frog half in, half out of his mouth. And she'd just always do that, and it was funny. But there's so many times it can, it can feel that way, that there's just so much we want to carry with us, and we can't quite fit it all in, and we don't know what to do. It's just overwhelming. And that's why we, you know, we had the ladies' Christmas, which was the... Best ladies' Christmas we've ever had so far. So I had a ton of ladies here this last Sunday night. It was awesome. They ate a lot of bacon. I ain't saying any more about that. They ate a lot of bacon. And, um, and so, uh, anyways, they had a good time. But we had to do it the first Sunday of December because everybody's calendars get so full. 
And you have to do it early, and it gets earlier and earlier and earlier. And part of that is because it's just, it's a full season, and there's a lot of people and a lot of stuff and a lot of things you want to fit in. And so many times we can, we can feel that. We can feel that pressure. And what I want us to do this morning is I want us to take a breather. And yes, we're in the middle of Christmas season, but I want us to take a, begin to look at some, some different portraits that we can miss sometimes. And today we're going to look at Joseph. And when we look at this, the nativity, um, you, if you have those sitting around your room and your living room or whatnot, um, we have a couple of them in our living room. You have the nativity with Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus there. Um, a lot of times we forget that what we're looking at is we're looking at a blended family. We're looking at a baby and a mom and a stepdad. And a lot of times we forget that. That there from that very first Christmas, it wasn't just the, the perfect nuclear family that everybody thinks. That you have the mom and the dad and the kid and everything. So you, from the very beginning, the first nativity, and we, we can forget that. That there, here's, a, here's a stepdad here. Didn't have the, there's no DNA of Joseph's in baby Jesus. And, and we can forget it. But I think there's, as we dig down into the story, I think that there's a lot that we can learn. But I, what I want us to do is go to a gospel that we don't normally turn to at Christmas time. A lot of times we'll find ourselves in Matthew chapter 1, which we will in a minute. We'll find ourselves in Luke chapter 2, which we will in a minute. And it details the nativity story. But I want us to look at John chapter 1. And John chapter 1 doesn't cover any of the birth of Jesus. But it does get into why Jesus came. So let's read together. It's in your bulletin or, or in your notes or on the screen. Uh, John chapter 1 verse 11 says, And he, Jesus, <clears throat> came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of, the, of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who became the Father, who became from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, here when we look at and look at this nativity scene, and yes, we recognize it's the, it's the birth of Jesus. But when we recognize why Jesus came and the, the, that there was the, the birth of Jesus was not just for Jesus. That Jesus came so that any who would receive him would have the right to become the children of God. There's a reason that Christmas feels so personal to us as Christ followers. It's not simply the birth of our Savior. There's something that goes deeper and we recognize what's really happened here. We maybe have not been able to put words to it before, but we recognize that there's something deeper happening here. And Christmas is not just the birth of Jesus. It, what it really and truly is spiritually, it's the birth of all of us. It's the birth of all of us because without Jesus, we could not be the children of God. We could not have the new birth. And so when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we're really celebrating the birth of all of God's children because he came that anyone who would receive him would have the right to become the children of God. And we have to have that lens that God wanted a family. And God wanted us to come in and be his children. He wanted lots of children, not just a baby. He wanted lots of children, all of us to not be his servants, not be his slaves, but to be his children, to be his kids. And in that, that 
that this is bigger than what we would normally look at as family. We need to begin to look at it with a different lens. And so as we're now going to to dig in and look at the portrait of Joseph and look at the portrait of a stepdad. And here as we look back at the Christmas story and we see Joseph, Joseph, the stepdad, there in the middle of this, we can begin to see on some of this on how we can begin to respond because we've stepped into something that's already in motion. Joseph got pulled into something that God was already part of and invited to be a part of it. You and I, we get to be a part as the children of God of what God is doing. And sometimes we're called to help grow what someone else starts. What someone else gets going. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, pledged to be married, um, that's engaged in our language. It was much, much uh, meatier, stronger thing than just saying, I agree to one day on a certain date walk down an aisle with you and sign a legal document. They were, in Jewish law and Jewish eyes, they were basically already married. They just weren't living under the same roof and doing what husbands and wives do. They, they, they had not come together yet. And so as they were sitting there getting ready for that, for that day, Mary turns up pregnant. And, of course, Joseph says, uh, I know it ain't mine. Um, we got a problem. Um, we've got a problem here. And Joseph, Joseph was a good-hearted guy. Joseph was a caring man when he, going above and beyond what a lot of people on the nature would say that he would be able to do. So let's keep reading. But because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he didn't want to put her on blast he didn't want to get her out there and, and, and make a public ridicule of her. He didn't want to, to drag her across social media and say, Can you believe what Mary did to me? He did not want to get it all out there and expose her to public disgrace. He felt like he had been wronged, but he was going to treat her right in the middle of handling this. But he still wanted out. Joseph was like, Mm-mm, I am out. I'm done. And so his plan, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. We're going to keep this hush-hush. We're going to keep this. I'm going to give her as much dignity as I possibly can. And we're just going to be, go our separate ways. We're just going to move on. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Go ahead and finish this. Let her fully be your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now I'm telling you, any husband, engaged, fiance, um, they're going to need a direct visitation from God. <laughs> to say, um, yeah, that this was of God. This wasn't of uh, an online hookup. And so, so he's got this angelic visitation. And now look, look what the, the, the angel of the Lord speaking to him in this dream does. It says, she will give birth to a son, 
and you are to give him the name Jesus. You are. Doesn't say tell Mary to name her boy Jesus. It says, I want you to do it. I want you as there, as, as the earthly father, as the stepdad. I want you to begin to speak life and begin to, to be a, an active part of this from the very beginning. I want you to give him the name Jesus. And this was part of who he was and what he was going to be, his identity. Because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife. He did what the angel of the Lord did. He said, okay, I'm, I'm going to step in and I, I'm going to do this. God's at work here. Nobody else may believe this. Nobody else may recognize this, but there's something here at work and I am going to step in and do my part. And sometimes stepping into what somebody else started is awkward and it's weird. But I'm telling you, there are blessings in it. God invites us into these things to be able to be a part of what he's doing. Um, Sweet Pea, can you do something for me? Can you get Teddy? Can you bring me Teddy? <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. Come here. Wait, wait. Come here. I want you to say hi to everybody. Say hi to everybody. Hey. Say hi in Big Lake. They're watching the camera. This is our youngest. We have seven kids. This is our youngest. This is Presslyn. We call her Pressy. And so she just turned five years old. And she's let me use her bear for a second, right? Thank you, love. And so. Anyways, right before um, Pressy was born, um, uh, uh, Cutie decided that Pressy needed a Build-A-Bear waiting for her in her crib. Um, this is not remotely Pressy's only Build-A-Bear. Um, not by a long shot. Uh, somebody in our household has a Build-A-Bear addiction, um, and it's not a child. And, <laughs> and so, but Cutie and I were somewhere where there was a Build-A-Bear, and it was before she was pregnant. And, and so you, you, okay. Oh, yes. She was pregnant, but before Pressy was born. So we want to get her a Build-A-Bear. Now, she, like I said, she has a lot of other Build-A-Bears. Um, this one, the, the nose is a little ratty. Um, I'm sorry, sweetheart, but he's, he's looking kind of rough. Um, his, his hair is clumped, and um, he's been through it. But this, he goes everywhere with us. He goes everywhere with us. And so um, it's, it's, her, it's her favorite bear. So Cutie asks us to, um, says, we need to build a, build a bear. So we go in to build a bear to stick it in the crib. So when she's born, there's her little Build-A-Bear waiting on her. So I'm like, sure, let's build the bear. And so we go in, Cutie picks out the bear. And if you've never been to Build-A-Bear, um, it is a process. It is like a little mini trip to Disneyland. And so you pick out the bear. It doesn't have any stuffing in it. And then there's this little thing you have to go through. Well, Cutie picks it out um, and then has to, like, leave me. And so she has to leave the store. Well, the guy, there's a guy working the store, a guy in his mid-20s who's new to the store. And he's been trained, and he is ready to put his training in. He feels like he has to do all the Build-A-Bear stuff. So Cutie leaves, has to go, and she leaves me with her purse 
and the Build-A-Bear in the store by myself. There's nobody else in the store. So the guy sits there, and he looks around, and he's as awkward about this as me. But he's like, this is my job. This is what I'm paid to do. We're doing this. And so he's doing this. He's like, okay, um, you know, we're, we got to stuff the bear. And so we stuff the bear, and he's like, is that good? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, I need you to step on the pedal. And when it's done, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Come on, man. Just stuff it. And um, so, but then they have a, there's a little, a little cloth heart that they stick inside the bear. And so they said, okay, I need you to pick a heart. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good one. He's like, no, 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 you, you, have to, you have to do this. And so it's just two grown men standing in Build-A-Bear by ourselves. No little kid around to watch this and get amused. No wife to think, oh, how sweet you're doing this for the kids. It's just two grown men. And he's like, okay, I need you to take the heart and I need you to stick it to your forehead. I'm like, so that they're, they're always thinking about you. Like, All right. No, 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 no. Now you got to put it on your heart so that it's filled with love. And then you got to put it on your knee so they'll always need you. And then you got to turn around. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? And I'm convinced Cutie was sitting around the corner laughing at me. Watching me do the stick it on my head, stick it on my heart, rub it on my knee, do the hokey pokey, all the whole thing. And so I go through the whole process. I felt like an absolute moron. And so, and I'm doing it holding a purse. I was not happy about this. And so she comes back right at the end of the process. And I'm like, seriously? So we do it, and we sew Teddy up and get out of there, and we leave. And I'm like, my goodness, that was, that was a mess. But then, and then I forgot about which bear it was. And so we went out of town to go see Weston preach. Some of y'all saw that online. Was it going? Our uh, number, uh, number three kid got to preach in front of Bible school. Anyway, so we had to take Teddy with us. Teddy had to go. So we had to take Teddy, and Teddy went with us. And, and um, so we're there with we're there with Teddy. And, uh, and Cutie brings up the story at Build-A-Bear. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, which bear was that? She said, Bran, it was Teddy. It was the one she loves the most. It's Teddy. And then all of a sudden, I was like, man, I'm kind of glad I did that, all that dumb stuff. Because here is this little bear that she loves so much, and now there's a little bit of me with it. There's a little bit of me that I put it on my forehead, and that little heart has my oily DNA stuck inside of it, <laughs> rubbed on my, off my oily forehead. And so, and anyways, it's inside this little bear. And all of a sudden, something that she started that I got pulled into to, to be a part of ended up that was for somebody else, but now there's this meaning and this connection here because I did my part. And I'm telling you, God has called us, and maybe there's some processes and stuff he's already called us, that he's already got going, and he just wants you to come alongside and help. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's, maybe it's reaching out to somebody. Maybe you don't have to do the whole thing, but there's something you can do. And I'm telling you, as soon as you do your part, it's like you're a part of the whole thing. And God has called us to do that. God has called us to. Sweet Pea, you ready for your bear? 
I'm not athletic, sorry. And um, anyways, but that, this is where Joseph was. He became a part of this that was already started. And you and I, we can do that if we'll embrace it. The, this nativity story, the Christmas story, is about what God is doing across the planet. And it's real easy to go, you know what? This was being told and being shared long before I showed up. And this is going to be talked about long after I'm gone. What can I add to the story? You are supposed to add to the story. You're supposed to share and care about what, what God has done in your life and, and what Christmas has meant to you and, and what God wants to do in and through the people you come in contact with. This isn't just something we watch from a distance. The, the story of Christmas is something that God wants us to be an active part of. He's called us to be in the middle of it. Just like Joseph. Joseph didn't start it, but he was an active part of it. So how do we do this? Well, quickly, we're going to need to, to recognize and celebrate what God is doing. We're going to need to recognize and celebrate it. See what's happening and, 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 and think it's wonderful. Even if it's not in our life, if it's just in the life of somebody else, we need to be able to celebrate it. Luke chapter 2, we catch up and there's this guy, Simeon, who was a, was a prophet guy. And he felt like God had, it, it, God had spoken to him that he was going to see the Messiah with his eyes. And he's older, he's up in years, and he's there in the temple. And Joseph and Mary are bringing Jesus to the temple uh, to, to have the, him dedicated and do everything that needed to be done to a Hebrew boy on the eighth day. And so they're, they're going in to do that, and Simeon sees him. And Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He's like, I'm ready to die. I can go to heaven now. I'm good. He says, for, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. So here's a Jewish guy seeing that Jesus is going to impact the Gentiles. Folks, this was revolutionary. This was a big deal. He says, and a glory, and the glory of your people Israel. And the children's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Joseph drinks it in. He marvels at this, that, that God's at work in the middle of it. He celebrated it. Folks, you and I, we can be an active part of what God is doing across the body if we would just recognize and celebrate it. But part of it is, is you and I need to be willing to share. We're going to need to open our mouths. That's why our testimony is so important. That if you will share what God is doing in your life, it's going to be an encouragement to somebody going through the same thing. Maybe you're on the backside, uh, on, the, on the restoration side of a marriage that needed to be restored. And somebody else is in the middle of it. They need to hear what God did in your relationship. Maybe you're going through a physical battle. Maybe you need healing and you're still in the middle of your trial. Maybe you're still in the middle of your physical attack. And you need to, to hear that God is a God who's faithful and is a healer. And to hear from somebody else who's already walked through it. And we celebrate it. This is why we do life together. Because when God does something for any of us, he's doing it for all of us. And if we will be willing to celebrate and do it, we see God at work through the body as a whole. It is a big, big thing. And then the next thing we need to do is remember that the daily stuff matters. So many times we can minimize our opportunity to fulfill our destiny because it's not one big moment. It's every little moment. And a lot of times it's we, we want it to be one big grand moment. And we forget that every day matters. Luke chapter 2 verse 39, it says, When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, 
they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And just went home to their town. And Jesus grew and became strong. Joseph was an active part. Helped put a roof over Jesus' head. Helped make sure Jesus was eating. Helped be a part of all of those different things. The daily part of rearing a child. And Joseph fully embraced it and was fully a part of it. And that was a key part of it. And so many times we can minimize the daily stuff. We feel like nothing huge is happening because it's happening in little tiny moments. And all of those little tiny moments add up to some really big things when God is at work. And we can miss it and get discouraged Whenever the little stuff matters so much, Joseph's destiny was found in caring daily for Jesus. That was Joseph's part. His destiny was found, and we will see it, and just at the end of this, we'll see his legacy was found in daily caring for Jesus. Not just his destiny, but his legacy, what we remember and what we celebrate about Joseph was found in his daily caring and being faithful daily. To be able to do this, we need to, to have the big picture. We need to have the big picture in mind when the tough moments come. When we have the big picture, when the tough moments come, we're able to, to make the judgments because the tough moments come. As we look at Joseph's stepdad to Jesus, that yes, we see the scriptures just enter where they don't call him stepdad, they call him father. They call him father. But we know who his dad is, we know that he's the son of God. And it doesn't carry Joseph's DNA. And there's some places where there was some tension. There was some tension. And so just like at the beginning, Joseph was maybe wanted out and he, and he had to have a visitation from God. That there were some other places along the roads. It wasn't just that one moment, I'm good, and then everything else was smooth sailing. There were some other tough moments along the way and as we go down deeper into Luke chapter 2 we're going to get to verse 41 it says every year Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover and when he was 12 years old they went up to the festival according to the custom and after the festival was over while his parents were returning home the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem but they were unaware of it Thinking he was with their company, they traveled on for a day. So they're not being neglectful parents. He, they think, gee, this is how we got to Jerusalem. We all traveled together, friends and family, everybody coming in for Passover. So he, Jesus is being a 12-year-old adolescent. He's hanging out. He's chilling. We, we think of Jesus being... But he was a kid, and this is a proof that he was a kid. They thought he was just with the crew. He was just hanging out. So they thought he was there, and they move on for an entire day. And then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. It's the end of the day. It's time to get the head count. Where's Jesus? Can't find Jesus. So they didn't find him. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. 
Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Let's pause before we go on any further. First off, let's see. There's adolescent 12-year-old Jesus who's there in the, in the temple courts. And he's, he's astounding. And a lot of times we can, we can look and see that Jesus is astounding them with his answers. We're like, oh, wow, Jesus marveled. But we see that Jesus was asking questions. Jesus was also asking questions of them. Now, folks, when young people begin their adolescence into their teenage, it's normal for them to have questions. It's normal. It can sometimes be frustrating for parents. It can sometimes be difficult for adults. They're like, why do they question everything? Because they're curious. Because they're learning. Because they want to know how this goes. There was a sense that this is about to be on their shoulders. At some point, they're going to have to make decisions for themselves. And they've got to know the processes. There was a time when all decisions were made for them. And now that this adolescence is getting ready to make decisions for themselves, and they have to ask questions. Jesus asked questions. Okay? He wasn't rebellious. He wasn't snarky. He did it with respect. But Jesus asked questions. As a church, we have to leave room for our young people to have some questions. Sometimes they may question us. They may question our theological perspective. They may question some different things. That doesn't mean they're pushing back. That doesn't mean they've gone off the rails and, oh, the teenagers are going to hell. And no, no. They're, they're asking questions. We want them to be asked. A, an asked question means an, an answer is, is, an, is an option. We want asked questions. So let, let's, let's not get frustrated by that. All right. That was a side note. Um, It says, and when, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother, and let's notice who's talking here. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? This could come out of any household in 2018 when mom and dad are mad. Talking to their teenager, talking to their adolescent. Why do you treat me this way? I cannot believe you've treated us this way. They're looking at how it made them feel. Jesus doesn't discount their feelings or any of those things, but that's where Mary comes in is her own feelings. Jesus has been gone for three days. She's freaked out. She is upset. She can't find her boy. And we notice that Mary is the one doing the talking. Joseph is there hunting for his stepson, all over. His wife is freaking out. He could get upset. He may have had the conversation. Now, this is your kid. <laughs> Just saying. This is your boy. When we find him, you're going to have to talk to him. You're going to need to talk to your son. And we don't know, but we do know that mom's doing the talking at this moment. And mom says, Mary says, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Your father and I. There's that ownership. There's that thing. There's your, your, you're a boy. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus responds and says, why are you searching for me? Now, this doesn't mean why would you come back and look for me? Did you come to get me? No, it was why are you searching why would it take you three days? Why were you hunting? Why was there a question about where I might be? And we know that because he finishes up the thought. 
He says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? You come back to Jerusalem where the temple is, and you don't look in the temple for three days? You don't look at Didn't you know that's where I would be? Where else was he looking? They didn't have an arcade. They didn't have Wi-Fi hotspots. I mean, he wasn't at the Starbucks. Where were they looking? But he's like, you missed the big picture here somehow. Mom, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know that's where I would be? Now let's pause right here for just a second. And remember that Mary is talking. But Joseph is right there. You've been hunting the whole time too. So let's hear this from Joseph's perspective. They've been hunting. Three days lost. Mary's freaking out. His wife is losing it. And all of a sudden now the kid says, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? To Joseph it feels like Jesus just played the real dad card. Mm, I'm with my real dad. All of a sudden, man, Joseph is just put in a, in a tough spot. Put in a tough spot. And all of a sudden, in here in this dynamic, and we could think that, that here with, with, with Jesus and Mary and Joseph, when we, we have the little nativity and we have all that, we think everything is so sweet and easy. But it was not. It was tough for Joseph to say yes. That he's going to walk this out in the middle of scandal. In the middle of scandal where, where uh, this betrothed lady shows up pregnant and it's not the guy she's betrothed to. Then he walks that out and then as they're doing it and going through all this, then this kid ends up missing and they hunt for three days. And, and there's, there's, just, there's just difficult moments along this way. Folks, family is not easy. It's not easy. But folks, it's worth it. It's worth it. This is what God has called us. What God wants to grow a family. So many times we want family just to be smooth and easy and, and no hiccups. But even here there were hiccups. Even here there were, were difficult moments. Our humanity, our fleshness, don't you know how this makes me feel? And all of that gets wrapped up into the middle of it. And we miss the big picture of what God is actually doing. It says, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And, and then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things up in her heart. And I wish it said Joseph and Mary, Mary treasured these up in her heart. That father and mother, just like father and mother, marveled back with Simeon. I wish it said father and mother marveled and, and cherished these things here. It says Mary did. It says his mother did. And honestly, as you study the scriptures, this is the last time we see Joseph. And we can begin to try to go, what happened? We don't hear his death talked about. We don't hear anything talked about. And a lot of times you can begin to go, oh, man, this was, the, 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 this was, this was a hard moment for here for them. But this is not the last word on Joseph. It's the last time we see him, but it's not... The last word on him. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 1. And we look at the genealogy 
of Jesus. And Matthew and all of these are written after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, all of that. All of the Gospels are written on the backside of it. They're written when it's already done. So here is a Jewish guy writing to a Jewish audience. Luke is written to a Gentile audience, but Matthew is written to a Jewish audience. Lots of references to prophecy and Jewish tradition and a lot of that found in Matthew. And Matthew's genealogy is one side of the family tree and Luke's genealogy is another side of the family tree. Luke is Mary's side of the family tree, but Matthew is the other side of the family tree. And we see here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, it says, And, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Here in the gospel, that look for the coming of, of the, to the people that look for the coming of Messiah the most. That because Joseph said yes, and he was the husband to Mary. A husband is not just a legal term. A husband cares and nurtures. It's, it's about caring. It's not about dominating. Husbandry is a caring word. That he cared for her. That he nurtured her, loved her, supported her, was there for her. He was a, a husband to Mary. We see here that the scriptures reckon his entire lineage to Jesus. His entire lineage to Jesus because Joseph said yes to his role. All of a sudden, everything that had gone before him is now connected to Jesus. They didn't have anything to do with it, but Joseph did. And now all of a sudden, the whole thing gets reckoned to Joseph. And the scriptures celebrate Joseph's entire family because Joseph said yes to the hard thing, to say yes to be a part and give care to something. He didn't start, but he was there, and he was a caregiver, and he was in the middle of it all. And that is the last word on Joseph. Joseph being in the genealogy and the lineage of Jesus in the scriptures. That's it. Folks, you and I, Lord, are, are the, the bottom line here is you can be a part of what God wants to start. You can be a part of it. You can be a part of what God wants to start. And we need to recognize that. Maybe God, maybe things are already in motion Maybe in your family, maybe your blended family, maybe all of those different things. But I tell you what, there's an assignment, there's a call, and there's an anointing to be able to love and care for maybe people that don't have your DNA. The whole family of God we're called to love and care for, and we may not even be connected legally on any document, but we're called a family. And we'd be a part of it from the beginning. We want to make sure of that. Folks, growing as a child of God means fully receiving the gift of Jesus. He's fully receiving the gift of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.